Well, we're here again back online, and uh, last weekend was definitely a different experience, and it was kind of cool, though, is uh, part, of the, part of the uniqueness of doing church fully online. Of course, we'd rather be in person and worshiping with everybody, but um, we had a great time of just being able to chat with lots and lots of people over the various platforms in which uh, people are, are watching our services. And so all of our pastors and our staff, um, we all got to jump on there and just talk to hundreds of people. And um, what is kind of a cool thing that also took place was there was more people watching the service this last weekend um, than probably ever before. Is there was thousands and thousands and thousands of people who decided to tune into one of the services. And so it was a cool opportunity just to be able to uh, to be able to speak to people and with people this last week. So uh, before we get started, um, Doyle, we have a couple things that we need to address. Well, first of all, if you're a first time uh, viewer, you're watching us for the first time, uh, we're really glad you're here. We don't know why you, you kind of joined us, but we're glad you did. And we hope that you hear something that helps you kind of navigate the uncertainty of what we're all facing. And, uh, and, not just make it through, but grow in the process. So we're going to be talking a little more about that. First, I need to do a little housekeeping. Uh, uh, we, as a church family, uh, we believe part of our worship is giving back to God. And so those of you who do it electronically, you're on track to keep doing that. Some of us uh, give checks every week or we give cash and, and obviously that can't happen. So we'd like to encourage you to either mail it in or find a way to, uh, to get involved electronically and give that way. One of the things you need to know is that we're not only carefully budgeting our expenses during this time and trying to project what's going forward and what we're going to have uh, available for resources for ministry and being very careful with that. But we're also trying to help some smaller churches. There are some small churches that, that frankly, this could be devastating, uh, fatal maybe, I don't know. And so we're trying to be helpful to them as well. So please continue to be faithful. And if you have the ability and the means to kind of be a little more generous than normal, um, the kingdom of God, I think, would benefit and you would benefit. And so we want to encourage you to keep doing that. Um, along with that, we want to let you know we're available. We're more available probably than ever. We're available online. You can call us. You can, because we know that right now it's just tough. It's just hard for a lot of folks. So our staff is, is standing by and, and volunteers are standing by. We're going to be checking in on you in the next few, few days as well. But just know that we're here and you need to connect. It's an important thing during, um, during this whole deal. You need to keep connecting with people and we want to connect with you. So just uh, be aware that we're going to do that. So today we're hoping to connect some passages in scripture, some teachings that Jesus did with maybe what you are going through and what we've been going through and, and maybe give you some building blocks. <laughs> That's a pun based on the path. You'll get it. All right, check okay. it out. So what I love about the scripture and uh, I love specifically about Jesus teaching is um, how applicable it is to our lives is the things that they were facing 2000 years ago. Um, they're the same stuff that we face, maybe in different forms, different circumstances, but uh, it, it's not like there's anything new under the sun. And so Jesus knew that we would face times of uncertainty. And so he taught some passages about that. One of my favorites, and as we were studying this week, we kind of knew, okay, this is the passage that we need to talk about. One, because it's, it's important for us as we're wrestling like you are, um, but also because I think it's maybe what Jesus would say during this season. And so if you have your Bibles or Bible app, or you can just follow along with us, it's in Matthew 7, starting at verse 24. Here's what it says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, you've probably heard this before. Jesus is telling a parable, and a parable is simply just a story. Uh, usually it's made up, that Jesus made up, and it has some kind of point. It might be a theological point or a moral point, um, but the point that he's making here is that all of us are building our, our house, like, or our lives like we'd be building a house. 
And so if you think about all the things that it takes to build a house, and you and I have uh, done remodels recently on our homes, and we're still doing it, still in the process, and uh, you, you probably don't realize how many different parts there are that Put, uh, have to be put together in order to create a house. You have the things like the, the foundation and the, the framing and the plumbing and the electrical and the cabinets and the floor. Just, there are so many things that you may not realize uh, go into putting a house together. And so our lives are kind of like this, is they are made up of many parts, is we have different things. We have relationships and we have our careers and we have our spouses and our kids and our health and our finances. And it, it, the, the list goes on and on. And that, all of those pieces together build up um, our lives, the, the house. But what Jesus wants to specifically talk about here is the foundation, is what is the foundation of your life? What is the foundation of, of a house? So if you, if you know anything about foundations of houses, they're crucial because it doesn't matter how big a house, how beautiful a house it is. If the foundation is no good, the house is no good. And we've seen this over the years, especially here on the West Coast is um, you, you see those beautiful houses that are on the cliff that are overlooking the ocean and a big rain or a big storm comes along and it starts to erode the foundation. And then eventually those big, beautiful houses fall off the cliff. And all of us who are kind of jealous of them who live there are secretly celebrating as long as they're okay, right? No, okay, maybe that's just me. But I'm, I'm terribly sad for those people. Yeah, very sad for them. Uh, and so the teaching here is, is it doesn't matter what kind of life you've built if your foundation is no good. And so Jesus brings this to the forefront of our mind, teaching us that all of us have a foundation for life. All of us are building our life on something or someone. And, um, and so the, the something or someone that we are building our lives on is the thing that shapes our identity and gives us self-worth and, and, and security. It's the purpose of which we're living for. And this could be anything. This could be money. This could be beauty, which is something that neither of us struggle with. Uh, it could be uh, comfort, it could be approval, it could be, you name it. All of us are building our lives on something. And we may say that we're building our lives on one thing, but there are moments in which we, where it's revealed that our lives are actually built on something else. And so there's a way to be able to test this. And I think we'll talk a little bit about more maybe our current circumstances and how this really tests our foundation. Um, but a way that you can test this is you look at your nightmares and you look at your dreams. You look at your nightmares and your dreams because what you, what you talk about when, if the, so for instance, let's say that I were to dream about my perfect life. What would that look like? What would that entail? What, what would be a part of that? Or if I were to look at my life and say, if I lost this or if I lost this person, then it feels like my life would be ruined. I would almost give up the, the will to, to live. Well, that's a good indicator of what it is that we really have built our lives upon, is what is the thing or the person that we would just be devastated if we lost, or we would think that life would be perfect if we had gained. And so for me, I'm a Christian, of course, and, and I want to say that I've built my life on Jesus, but there's always these things that are fighting for the top place in my life, that are fighting to be the, the most important thing. And so... Um, I struggle a lot with, instead of making God the foundation of my life, making my family the foundation of my life. Because they are a really good gift that God has given me, but they're not God. And so I often have to struggle with, okay, um, am I making my life about keeping my kids safe and healthy and strong and, and making sure that my, my wife and I, are, our marriage is solid and is good? And all of those things are good things, but they're not God things. And so Jesus points out here that we have to look at what it is that we really have built our lives upon. 
So if we go on and read, go ahead and read that that passage there. Um, let's see, where was it? Let's like a. Just, did you end at twenty five? You think? Uh, start let's, at, let's start over again. Therefore, one who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So the ideal wise man built on the rock. Uh, right? Uh, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, here's what's really interesting. So he's just, he's, it's two kinds of builders, okay? And so not only the analogy of, of a, a bank being eaten away by erosion, but even earthquakes where a house can be shaken off its foundations. You see, it's in the time of storm, it's in the time of crisis, in the time of difficulty, when you find out what kind of builder you've been. Because you could build a beautiful, I, I have this weird memory from when I was a kid. We lived in a, uh, behind the church my dad pastored in, and there was a, a very uh, poor section of town right by us, very poor. And I remember one of the kids um, that went to school with me, we walked together often, and, uh, and I, I didn't see any difference. All of us played together. We all seemed to be the same. Didn't matter our color. Didn't matter anything about that. But I remember this one kid, and I went to his house one time, and I remember his walls, this is honest to goodness, a very poor family. I had no idea until I realized his walls were cardboard boxes. And that house, you could tell just by looking at it, was not a good house. The problem is people who build badly, they can almost make a house look good. Your house doesn't have to be made of cardboard. It could be made of, of normal stuff, but not built right. And so a part of what we find during an earthquake or a crisis or a storm is will the house stay on the foundation? Was that built solidly? And so Jesus builds this picture of two kinds of builders. And from the external view, they both look like they're building great houses, great lives. And then he goes on and he says this. Um, the rains came down, the, the stream rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So, we have this picture of two kinds of builders and the revelation of what kind of building you've been doing comes, frankly, in times like these. There are people who have built their house upon their bank account and the stock market is just causing them all kinds of fear and anxiety. There are others who have built it on something else. Uh, here's the deal. One of the great things about still breathing and still being around is that we can, we can do some repair. We can do some repair. If we realize that our foundations haven't been built the right way, we can do some repair. And maybe that's what it's about for some of us is, is repairing. So here's what it is. This passage is really about hearing and doing what Jesus taught us. That's what it is. It says hearing, it's not enough. It's the one who hears and does. And so it's really about hearing God's voice. Jesus sets his voice aside from many others. Part of the theological background of this passage is based on the previous passage because it begins with therefore. And the therefore, you need to look and see why it's what it's there for. And the therefore is that in the previous passage, he has delineated who really belongs to God, who has a relationship with Christ and who doesn't. And he continues to that explanation here by saying, those who hear my voice and obey or do that thing, then they truly belong to me. And their house, their life is built on something really solid. So when these storms come, knowing God's word, 
having practiced being obedient to God's word. One of my favorite book titles ever is by Eugene Peterson, and it's just called A Long Obedience. And in these times of storms, we get to find out if our obedience, our Christianity has been based on obedience or on something superficial. And we'll talk a little more about that in a moment. Yeah, and the reason why our, our houses may fall during times of storms, and that may look different for different people, but I think all of us are in the midst of at least some kind of storm, is because they were never meant to be the foundation. That when we build our lives upon all of these things that we're supposed to be a part of our life, but we're not supposed to be the underlying foundation, then it's not able to bear the weight of our deepest hopes and desires and needs. And so when these storms come, and let's, let's just say, and I'm just making this up, but let's just say that you built your house on um, a bunch of porcelain tile. That was your foundation. Well, porcelain tile may be beautiful and it may be great, but that's not what it is for. It was for just to lay on the floors. It wasn't supposed to be the foundation. And that's what many of the things that we put in our lives are is yes, family is supposed to be great. And yes, you're supposed to have a career that you love. And yes, you're supposed to, but if you make those things, the foundation of your life, they're never going to be able to support your, your entire life. That's not what they were designed for. So what we were designed for is to have a foundation that can bear the weight of our deepest hopes and needs and desires. And so when we look at what can do that, and so the bigger the, the hopes and the bigger the needs and the bigger the desires, the bigger the foundation has to be. So in, in construction, um, and we both went through this recently, is um, when you're going to do an addition or when you're going to build something that's going to be really heavy, um, the bigger it is, the bigger the foundation has to be. And so now they require you to build these enormous foundations. Like you got to drill down five feet and it has to be this big old pad and they just pour it with cement and rebar and because they understand that the bigger the weight, um, the bigger the foundation. And so how big does the weight, or how big does the foundation need to be for the weight of your life? Well, I can't imagine anything in this world that is big enough to be able to sustain that. Um, it can't be my wife because she's awesome and I'm incredibly blessed, but I can't put that kind of pressure on her to fulfill my deepest needs and my purpose in life. No, 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 that's, that's far too big of a weight for her to, to carry. Same with my kids is I love them. I, I, I love them more than I love life itself. I would die for them. And yet I can't build my life upon them and loving them. They can't bear that. And they shouldn't have to bear that kind of weight. And so we have to look for a foundation that can sustain us during the, the, the times of trouble, but also can give us a foundation to build upon where we can, we can continue to pursue our purpose and our desires and find our, our hopes in and so Jesus makes this big claim. He says, if you go anywhere else in the world and you build your life upon this person or this thing, it will disappoint you in the end. And it may only come to, it may, you may only see this when the storms of life come, is it may feel fine and it's great and we can build our house on porcelain tiles and it may withstand, but when things start to get a little bit tricky, when things start to shake a little bit, when storms start to come, you will quickly see who has a foundation on solid rock and who has it on sand. So it's an interesting uh, thing because there's a, a parallel kind of uh, metaphor, if you will, in Matthew 13, where uh, we hear about the seeds being sown on different kinds of soil. And one of the references there is that seeds that are sown on rocky soil, uh, they look great at first, uh, but when the storms come, they're blown away, they're destroyed because they have no roots. 
They don't have any roots beneath the ground. I was shocked. Uh, I used to have an assistant who was a landscape architect, and she was trying to tell me one time, what do you see of a tree above the ground? There's just as much below the ground as there is above the ground. Well, unfortunately, for some, some of us, we think we're spiritual, and because we're spiritual, we think we know God, or we think we, we're a Christian, or we think whatever, but there's nothing below the surface. There's nothing anchoring us in. And so like that... Uh, passage in in Matthew 13, when difficulty comes, um, our building collapses, we dry up because we're not rooted in something. So here's the deal. Cody's been talking about all the things we might invest ourselves in or believe in that could anchor us or could help us build strong foundations. But eventually we come to the fact that it's God. But even then you're not out of the woods because the previous passage talked about those who believe they've turned to God, but they never obeyed what he said. They just talked about God. Lip service is kind of the phrase we would use. They kind kind of gave God lip service in the good times. And when the bad times come, they call out, Lord, Lord, help me. I'm in trouble here. Sound familiar to anybody right now? And the reality is they never sunk their roots into a true relationship with Christ. So I had an interesting thing happen recently because I was thinking about the kinds of people this looks like. So I see a lot of people and, and you know, I, I know this is going to shock people, but I could be a little judgmental on occasion. And, uh, uh, I, and sometimes I, I, I might want to try to blame it on discernment. I'm not sure that would be the case, but sometimes people surprise me. So for example, I've met several people in the last year who are facing just huge, I mean, way beyond the crisis we're facing right now in, in terms of their personal life. It's not an uncertainty. It's a reality. They're facing something extremely hard. And I have to tell you, I went in thinking, oh, this poor person, they're, they're, they're going to just be rattled. And I went in expecting to try to have to buoy their faith in somehow, or even maybe lead them to faith, not knowing where they really were. And I have to tell you, there's a couple of instances I'm thinking of right now that I came out of that room meeting with those people who are facing such painful, difficult situations, encouraged and lifting up in my faith because what the storm in their life revealed was a depth, a depth of faith a depth of of knowledge of God, a depth of relationship with Christ, a root system below the surface that was so much stronger than I'd ever seen or ever expected from these people. The picture that Jesus is trying to paint for us is that picture. The foundations, the roots of your life are so much deeper, so much stronger because you know God's word. You've been practicing obedience and that's how it comes. And Nobody will ever see it till the storm comes. You may not even fully understand how much your relationship with God is anchoring you until the storm comes. If that's the case, pay attention to that. Lean into that because he's going to do something amazing for you. Now, there's another kind of person and those who kind of give kind of an intellectual commitment. Yeah, yeah, I believe in God. God's there for me. But there's a, there's a knowing and then there's a knowing mm. And one of the things that gets revealed in storms is if I know about God, I've met people who know a lot more theology than I do, but don't have much faith because it never went from here to here. And so there is a knowing that comes from experiencing trusting God. And that also comes from taking God's word for what it is, understanding what Jesus taught us and, and then practicing it. You don't know if it's true until you try it, right? So I don't know, uh, giving, being generous, that is something we are commanded as Christians. It's not an option. If you've got a little extra, give it away. No, no. We are commanded to be generous, both to God and his work and to those in need. But you never know. You can read it, but you never know until you do it. And so one of the ways of, of sinking that, that 
foundation deep is doing and knowing. Um, and then the third. Well, so hold on, let me interrupt really quick because I, so this faith thing, the knowing and the doing, I'm, I'm totally on board. I get what you're saying. And one of the, one of the dangerous, I guess for me is, and see if I can give an analogy here is, um, I have researched a lot about how to lose weight and get in shape. Um, <laughs> I could tell it. I could tell you exactly how to do it. Um, I know a lot about it, and I know. Um, and I've even, I've even taken some steps where I have a gym membership. But unless I actually stop eating double doubles and <laughs> I go to the gym and exercise, um, I'm not going to get in shape. Did you see? I saw recently an advertisement for fast food that's doing like double doubles on donuts. Uh, well, that's one step closer to heaven. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> or or, or whatever. Um, so, so there's this knowing and this doing that you're talking about, right? right? And yeah. so, because so, I was, as I was listening to you talk, I was thinking, one of the questions that I would be asking is, okay, I need to build my house on the rock. The rock is building myself, my, my, my entire being on Jesus and, and who he is. Um, then the follow-up question I had is, well, then how do I do that? Right? What does that look like? I don't know. I just got this part. You're supposed to do that part. Okay. We're going to have to come back to you next week. With that, I guess. <laughs> I'm kidding. I actually, it leads right into the next point. So here's the next point. So we started about um, sinking your roots. We started about um, um, that being uh, just kind of more than an intellectual commitment, but an experiential walk obedience with God. Uh, now here is how we do that. You let Jesus have access to all your life. Mm. See, when he calls him Lord in scripture and call him Lord, and by the way, there's a whole, if, you, if you're a kind of a, a theological oriented person, look at the word Lord in connection with this section of scripture. It's a very interesting word because it can mean anything from, hey, you're my boss in, in a superficial way. But this is indicating you, are, you being Lord, Jesus being Lord is almighty in completely in charge of my life, Lord. And so the lordship, the exclusive lordship of Christ is what he's talking about here. So it means not just reading a passage, I'm gonna to try to live that out, but living in a kingdom way in which you and Jesus are a partnership and he is giving the directions and you're being obedient and you're experiencing this whole other kind of life. So sometimes we'll come to faith and we'll say, okay, I want a little bit of Jesus. Mm. Like when the economy's bombing or there's a, a virus on the hunt, mm. I want some Jesus right now. But when it comes to deciding who I'm going to sleep with or mm. who I'm going to give my money to or carrying the bad attitude or if I'm going to deal with that woundedness I'm carrying around, I don't want Jesus that part. That's too tender. That's my stuff. I need to keep Jesus out of that. Right. And the way we come to this obedience place is giving them access to anything. So I was thinking about what does this look like right now, okay? Mm -hmm. So maybe you're sitting at home, you're stuck at home with the kids. Uh, I mean, you have the privilege of being with your kids 24 seven uh, or whatever it is. What if you were able to set aside some time every day and to hear, read God's word a little bit, to do some prayer and then to follow through on what your conscience tells you? Hmm. Oftentimes when I'm reading God's word, my conscience will say, you know, that word you spoke to, that, that what you said to so-and-so, that was not like Jesus. Hmm. And so I can choose that moment to either write it off with that stupid or, and well, that maybe not be from Jesus. Well, what could it harm to go apologize? It might just be from him. And even in little things like that, man, much less if I got a big issue, don't be sitting around watching porn during this time, right? That's not pleasing to Jesus. That's not beneficial to you. Cut that out right away. The big ones, you know what they are. Knock them off, okay? Get somebody to help you. Talk to somebody about it. Get it right. But even the little ones, if a thought comes to me that I should correct an attitude or I should go and apologize for some words or that I'm, I'm harboring a little envy or jealousy with somebody, if that's the case, then I need to follow through on that impulse because that might be the Holy Spirit guiding me. Hmm. The Holy Spirit 
Spirit won't tell you to you know, jump off the roof. That's not the Holy Spirit, okay? But if it lines up with God's word, there might be the Holy Spirit trying to lead you into an obedient life where he can bless you more than you ever imagined. So that's how you do it. That's how you just start practicing obedience on the small things. And not, so we have this thing, well, me and God have an understanding. You kind of, we kind of wink at something. That's ah, okay, I can get away with it. God's not like that because he's trying to grow you, trying to make you like Jesus. Yeah, so would you say maybe the way that we can think about the season that we're in right now it would be it's a time of testing and it's a time of, uh, of training. Absolutely. So what I was thinking is it's a time of testing because Jesus clearly says in this passage that when the storm comes, you're going to see what you're really made of. You're going to see where your faith really is. And that's not to say, uh, and I think those storms are supposed to be revealing to us so that we don't remain the same, so that we don't continue to fool ourselves, so that we say, wow, I have made my life about this, but I really need to make it about Jesus. So it's a time of testing for sure, but it's also a time of training. Is, um, you know, <clears throat> neither one of us are in danger of becoming Navy SEALs, but I have watched uh, how they train. I saw a SEAL once. Yeah, I saw a SEAL and I've seen the Navy. So right there. We're practically halfway there. So uh, there's this training part and they only want the best. And I think that if we are gonna be Christ followers, we're gonna to have to go through some training and it's not fun, but this is an opportunity for us to train, for us to not only build up our faith, but build up our influence as well. And so the word for me has become opportunity. This is an opportunity to test my faith, but also uh, in order to, to train. I came across a phrase in studying for this talk that, that I had used uh, some time ago and, and it, it just, for me, radical submission. Mm. Because right now I can't fix anything. I can't fix the country. I can't fix the virus. I'm going to have to trust God. I'm going to have to submit not just the hard stuff to him, but the other stuff too. The stuff I want to hang on to, what I do with my finances, what I do with my attitude, all the other stuff. I need to just radically go, okay, God, you're in charge because I can't be right now. I don't know if you noticed this, but yours was a T as well. Oh, it was? Yeah. So we have test, we have train, and we have, was it you just had a T? I thought I said radical, radical submission. Trust. Oh, trust. Uh, <laughs> He's getting slow. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, so if you got those three T's, good for you. I'm a little lost on that one. So here's the deal. Here's what we want to say to you. Um, if you'll have um, total obedience, it's a T. Oh man, uh, I'm on a roll right now. True righteousness, it's a T. <laughs> so, <laughs> preach it, brother, preach it. I got nothing else. Anyway, so hey, if, if you want to just come out of this thing, not just kind of rattled and shaken and beaten up and wounded and this turbulent time. <laughs> I think we've had too much, okay. too much time All together. Right. All right. Hey, I read this thing. Can I finish this? Yep, you got yep, yep. So I read this thing by Kierkegaard. I wouldn't sit around reading Kierkegaard. I just saw this quote, okay? And here, I hope this will make us feel better. He said an interesting thing. I'm gonna invite the band to come up as I'm telling this and I'm gonna pray and then they're gonna share a song that I hope gets in your mind and, and, uh, and you sing it all week long. And he was saying in, in this uh, this quote, he was saying, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna paraphrase and make application, but he said that we, in life we have choices and we awaken to who God is and what it means to walk with God in obedience. Uh, it changes from who we were to who we are. Here is his two analogies. The first one is that we can be like scared little birds panicked. You ever see a bird caught inside a, a small area and they're just panicked and they're just fluttering and they're flying and running into windows and they're just trying to get out and they're just panicked. The picture of that, I think, is pretty accurate for some of what I'm seeing around us and some of what I'm feeling a little bit inside at times. And yet, 
he gives this other picture. And he says, as Christians, when we have awakened to God's love, God's power, God's grace, and the kingdom life that he wants us to have, when we come to this place of total submission, then we wake up, and this is great, because your son Jed does this. How old is Jed? Two? Two. Two-year-old. When he wakes up from a nap, he's a little groggy, and he's kind of hanging on to mom. And then when he gets his eyes open, he kind of looks around, and he gets this smile. Kierkegaard called it the smile of heaven. Like a little child who's just come out of the peacefulness of a nice nap in the afternoon, embraced in his parent, his mother's arms, not afraid of anything, just excited about the opportunities ahead of him. See, I think we can stop fluttering around like scared birds trying to get out of an enclosed space and realize that we are in a time of opportunity and have the smile of heaven because our heavenly father has us right where he wants us. He has it under control. We are secure in his arms and be at peace. That's what comes from building a solid foundation. We're hoping that right now, if your foundation is showing a few cracks, get them repaired, get some time hearing his word and then obey it. You'll be all right. You're going to make it through. Let's pray. Lord God, this is a tumultuous time. We pray for our leaders to have wisdom. We pray for, Lord God, that we will have peace. We pray that we will not just kind of try to get through this time, but Lord God, that we will, during this time, we will come to you. We will know you better. We will hear your voice and we will obey and we will be those people, those people who aren't rattled, those people who aren't shaken, those people who aren't afraid. We will be those people who are at peace and trusting you. Lord God, we come to you with all that we have and all that we're afraid we'll lose. We come with you with our, to you with our fears and with our aspirations, our hopes and dreams, both broken and future. And Lord God, we just give ourselves to you. Now draw us close. Let us know that we're secure in your arms. In Jesus' name, amen.